Christy Doran, Sam Worthington. I'm Andrew Swain. You'll forgive me for not shaking your hands today because we are in the midst of a pan- global pandemic. And, uh, you know, all jokes aside, it's a uh, it's a pretty serious situation we're in right now with Sansa suspending the Super Rugby season. Not good. We've just got out the alcohol swabs and tried to clean our headsets. So Seven, 70%, um, I believe. Hopefully that does the, the trick. But, yeah, obviously... Uh, Terrible news, but I think the right call, firstly, um, from from Sanzar to push pause on it. They were basically had no other option after Saturday. New Zealand uh, put its border restrictions in place and then Australia followed suit. So they literally can't go ahead with, with the competition in its current form. But, yeah, very, very sad that we won't be talking about extra rugby for a little while. Guys, I was um, calling the Sunwolves Crusaders game up in Brisbane on Saturday and, and that news started to filter through. There was... Um, obviously, just before kickoff, actually, it was it was around that time that the press release or New Zealand government had their um, their presser and, and spoke about what was what was happening with their borders, and then everyone started thinking about the ramifications for Super Rugby at the time. It was a remarkable news cycle that day, and it has been ever since, Christy. Yeah, absolutely. We as, as soon as the, the borders were shut, we just knew, you know, given the complexities of the game, the, the geographical differences of five, five countries, four continents, it was never going to be able to, to work then. Um, so unprecedented, isn't it? And uh, I totally echo your comments, Sam. I think it had to be made, that decision. And, and what now happens with the, the future of Super Rugby in the immediate uh, future is is the biggest question in, in town, Uh Rugby League, AFL, NRL, they've got you know, some more money, financial security behind mm. them. But even when you've got the NRL coming out and saying that in a couple of months' time that the wall chest might become empty, that rings massive alarm bells in, in Rugby Australia's financial situation. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll cover off maybe some of the news as it stands because when people listen to this, there may be, I think, an update coming from Raylene Castle on, on Tuesday potentially um, as to where things stand. But Andy Marinos, the Sanzar boss, um, in, in the last uh, 24 hours basically said, look, if, they, if we can't get going in the next five weeks then season over because obviously you've got the test uh, rugby program locked in. They're not going to shift it uh, for that. We're, we're seven of 18 rounds in at the moment. Um, but the, the, there has been, I think, uh, there's real talks going on um, about potentially having some rounds domestically. Um, mm. You could knock over some of those games within conferences. I guess the, the Jaguares is a bit of a, that, that, that makes it tough for um, Stuck yeah. there in Argentina. Everyone else, I think, now is back in their their home countries. The Highlanders, uh, other than the Sunwolves, and well, those Sunwolves, I think, are for the time being, staying in Australia. I don't know what's happened since though, so that's a really interesting um, talking point. But they are the two anomalies in this yeah, in this whole situation. That would, that would make it very difficult. So I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but as it stands, there hasn't hasn't been any uh, rugby player of, of note actually test positive for coronavirus, which is good. So so hopefully they've got out in, in front of it somewhat and um, we've got the Highlanders now going through their self-isolation uh, processes. So fingers crossed the actual playing community hasn't been too badly um, affected. We'll get to the, the Sevens boys later. Yeah, well, the Sevens boys, we're going to chat to Tim Walsh a little bit later in the in the podcast and uh, and get the latest from him on that situation which is ever evolving so whatever you know we are recording this podcast right now this situation is evolving um, you know, rapidly. It, anecdotally, just speaking to a few of the New Zealand players, and and I called the game with Mills Mulyaina as well, who was over here as a guest from Sky um, Sports in New Zealand. They were just dead keen to get home. Like, that's just what they wanted to do. And and the fact that the Highlanders were, you know, it's just unfortunate that they were stuck in Argentina and now have to sit in self-isolation. But the, the 
the key is, um, you know, first and foremost, the health of everyone. And all these guys wanted to do was get home to their families. Yeah, and I think Sanzo's done the right thing there. They probably didn't have too much option, but we, we're seeing some pretty horrible situations in other sports where you've got, uh, you know, NRL players being forced to, to choose between their families and the, the oh, team. And, and, awful. And, and they, they shouldn't be put in the position to, to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the NRL and AFL are in different situations. Well, the AFL is completely domestic. The NRL just has one international yeah. team. Um, but what about the, the poor old um, Wellington Phoenix and then the, yeah. the Melbourne, I think it's the Melbourne Victory, was it, the other day? That yeah. were, they played their game on, on Sunday evening and the, the goalposts were moved literally while they were playing. Yeah. Australia closed their borders. Now they've got to come back and um, uh, and go into self-isolation. So yeah. you know, well, it's just yeah. across the sporting landscape, it's just remarkable. Yeah, the, the future completely un- unclear and murky going forward. A couple of things being spoken about or whether or not you can have a... Um, in, in five, six weeks, who knows how long the coronavirus is going to last for, but whether or not you could almost have a, an NRC kind of styled competition, which um, may, may have most people calling for that would be interesting. But, yeah, absolutely, the, the health and safety has to be the number one priority. But if there is an opportunity, I think Rugby Australia will explore that because... Yeah. Um, well, that content is key, isn't it, in this situation? It, it Con- is. They, they need money from the broadcaster, i.e. Fox Sports, um, to to survive, um, so they need to be producing content. What that is, it's yeah. all up in the air. With Super Rugby, do you think? I mean, would it diminish uh, the competition or a title if you did completely play around with the schedule and only have domestic games going forward? Just just thinking on my my feet, I think there is some merit to explore that if if the situation mm. improves. One of the on difficulties the there is that already uh, someone like the Reds that have spent a fair bit of time on the road haven't actually played many uh, conference yeah. games. They might be of a disadvantage because... The, the draw is so lopsided. And yeah. All that. yeah. I, I mean, it is, when you t- when you think about it, it is the luck of the draw, right? The, the competition, the Super Rugby competition. So if you were just to abandon the next four weeks and then pick up the competition from round hmm. 12... And go from there. I mean, there'd be a big asterisk sitting on whoever wins the comp in the end, but yeah. at least you've got a bit of finality about it. Yeah, and I think you'd hope that teams would be understanding that. Okay, we might have got the short end of the stick here, but these are literally unprecedented circumstances. And yeah. um, the, big, the bigger picture here, no, no one would be trying to stitch anyone up. No. It's just, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy circumstances. How many times have you heard the word unprecedented? <laughs> and we need to be agile in this situation. It's a fluid across. situation. Oh, I've never a seen fluid you. situation. <laughs> I've never seen you looking so agile, Swaney, oh. I must say. And uh, <laughs> just just quickly, Christy. Because I haven't eaten because I haven't been able to get any food from the shops since Sam. So there you go. <laughs> Christy's come back uh, on a slightly lighter note. You've come back um, nursing a few minor injuries from a, a Bucks weekend. Can you just quickly uh, run us through that? Well, early on during the Saturday, I was fully aware of what was going on, <laughs> and I saw that the uh, the, the the announcements were happening with. New Zealand closing their borders. Uh, I must admit, it, it took until yes, the, the following day, about midday, before I realised that that Super Rugby was going to be suspended. But, <laughs> but, was, but that, was that when I sent you the text uh, in the morning? Yeah, it could have, it could have been around that time, anyhow. Um, but uh, the the advantage that Rugby Australia has, well, Super Rugby, they've been discussing what might happen for quite a few weeks. And I know that like even two or three weeks ago, um, Rugby Australia, the CEOs around the respective governing bodies were very much 
trying to stay ahead of the game here because they, they, they could see what was happening. I think everyone could see what was happening, the, the, the spread of, of, of what the virus was going around. So um, at least rugby is being as proactive as it possibly can, I think. Well, I mean, now we're talking about we've got club seasons coming up very soon. So you've got Brisbane Premier Rugby, you've got the John Ident Cup, you've got Shoot Shield, you've got the, the, the Melbourne Comp. There's all those club seasons are about to kick off. That looks very unlikely at this point. Yep. You've got... Uh, Super W, which is there's only two more games of that to go. The Reds are meant to play the Brumbies this coming weekend. Whether that happens, we don't know uh, at this point. Um, and then the final the following week, you've got Global Rapid Rugby. Now that I mean, unfortunate for them, really that they had their first game on Saturday night. They're their first games, plural, and uh, those have been um, suspended now indefinitely. Um, you know, the whole rugby world is reeling. Yeah, I think professionally uh, speaking, I don't know if there's any rugby competition in the whole world still trying to go on at the moment. I think it's all been been called off for the time being. And yeah, that that club stuff and school stuff and and community rugby that that is a huge. I mean, that's just as as big a issue really for well, just, for, for rugby Australia that um, as the professional arm is just the the thousands and thousands of, of people involved in that. Uh, it was interesting to see the the FFA today basically they're trying to carry on with kids' sport and stuff, but if, unless you have to be there as, you know, one one of the parents to go along, then, then you, know, as, you know, as fewer people should be around the, the teams and the sidelines as possible. So, yeah, very interesting to see if Rugby Australia try and have a crack at, at um, keeping that the lifeblood of the, the game going through this, this tough times. Look, looking back, it, it's, it's funny because it was only, what, a month or two ago we were going, gee, Super Rugby's come back pretty early. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And everyone was you know, bemoaning <laughs> the, the fact that, geez, we're playing Super Rugby on the 30th of January and think people going, this is ridiculous. We've but got seven weeks in, so... And, that, and that's something to say, well, geez, at least we've had seven weeks. Geez, Dave Rennie, who knows when we're going to be able to get back to playing rugby, but at least Dave Rennie has, will have an opportunity to go, what's happening with the next generation of players coming through? Uh, and I think we're going to give a bit of a report card later on and what we've learnt from the, the first seven weeks of Super Rugby. But uh, that's something at least to try to go, well, there are some some promising young players coming through. How, just just quietly, how good have the first seven weeks of Super Rugby been? It's been, you know, particularly for the Australian Conference, I mean, there's been some dark times, but, gee, there's been some really uh, real shines of light as well. Yeah, I must admit, I was um, a bit... Skip school this season because post World Cup, so many big stars have have gone and and um, yeah, unfortunately a lot of resting of players, particularly in New Zealand and South Africa as well. But yeah, I agree. The actual on field product, I've been you know pleasantly maybe not surprised, but it's it's been great to see how many young players have come in and played at a really high standard. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to the um, full review of the, of the weekend um, just now. But yeah, some some champagne rugby being played uh, all across the southern hemisphere. Um, and if you do have any suggestions on what we talk about on this podcast going forward, please tweet us because um, there is no rugby happening at the moment. But we'd like to keep as, it going, fellas. As it stands, if, uh, if Phil will let us, yeah, I think we'll, we'll try and keep the podcast rolling out. We've got no idea what we'll be talking about yet. But uh, there's just, maybe like, just tell some a, trip, a trip down memory lane of Andrew Swain's playing career. The, <laughs> oh, anything's possible. You can just talk it. about Lalesio's goal kicking. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was, you know, he's he's... He's striking well. I like it. I like it. Should we, uh, uh, should we get to Mr Tim Walsh? Yeah, let's get uh, Tim Walsh, the Australian men's sevens coach, on the phone. Why 
Walsh, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Mate, uh, first and foremost, are you okay? And are the guys who have tested positive to this coronavirus? Well, not tested positive. No, 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 haven't tested positive. Getting checked for coronavirus. Are they, are they okay? Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm fine um, at the moment. Uh, I'm sure it is just a matter of time before it um, infiltrates into all walks of life, including, um, you know, Olympic prospect teams. So, um, but the, the the guys in question, they correct, they haven't tested positive. They're Good. getting a, a precautionary um, test, which we won't know the results of those until um, probably, hopefully today, later today, but um, most likely tomorrow being, being Tuesday. So... Uh, just in in communication with those blokes, they're but they're both um, feeling pretty good, but they have got some some symptoms, and to be sure, um, they've been sent to for testing by our rugby Australia medical staff. It, it was Sunday afternoon that the the media release came out uh, alerting us to this, and and the rugby Australia headquarters consequently have been shut down for two days. That's quite a feat there to be shut down entire building, Walshy. Yeah, well, we were ready to go to work, and then uh, obviously got the got the message. So we're um, we're at home or on a on a rugby field somewhere doing the work. So um, the guys have been setting their programs, and um, and obviously you know doing all the right things in terms of uh, precautions for for health. But um, look, most of them have been out out there doing something today um, on their own. As uh, as instructed, but yeah, it is a it's a pretty bold bold move, but um, I think uh, you know required in this current state of affairs. Yeah, so as a coach, clearly um, a million things going through your your mind, um, you and the the fellow management, but and, and it's going to be dictated as as to these test results. But like, are you sort of mapping out multiple, um, I guess, scenarios over the next um, month or, or how, however long it is now that you're trying to plan for? Yeah, spot on. I've got my Excel sheet in front of me with uh, I've got about four different screens with all different calendars going on. So, look, in sevens, we've always sort of prided ourselves on on adapting because of the the landscape on the environment which we compete in. But this is a whole new level, um, you know. So trying to gather information that's um, that's been. Um, sort of projected out from from the media from all different sources, and then trying to come up with a with a plan. And you know, obviously, the the safety and, and health of everyone is the most important. But you know, reality is that you know we got to have a have a purpose in life. And a lot of these guys have, including myself, you know, thinking about the Olympics for for a long time. So I think we got to really sort of focus on on ourselves for um, you know firstly and foremost and health but then secondly um, how are we going to prepare ourselves um, for the Olympics and that's sort of keeping us busy which is good but yeah plan a B C D E F G H E Z and you know to, to make sure that we have some options um, when it does and it does come about and um, you know game on. Yeah, I imagine it's just as important to make sure everyone's doing okay mentally as it is physically because at the moment they are, you know, trying to, to forge ahead with plans to host the Olympics, but logic dictates that may well not happen, um, you know, in the, in the time that they want to anyway. So is it, you know, guys have set aside their whole lives for that. So is it, yeah, a lot of checking in just to make sure everyone's tracking okay mentally with what's going on? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, I think even as, like I say, I'm, I'm not a player, but as a coach, but you're sort of waking up in the 
in the morning you just have this this haze or this sort of like um not not fear but this I don't know you know you're quite down as to as to what the future is going to be both um, you know from a sporting point of view but also from um, just life in, in general so um, yeah huge huge importance there to find out you know where the guys are at and when you're isolated or you're not at work every day it's it's harder to do but with technology these days and your your whatsapp groups and videos and and different things you can throw out um different chats and and banters and stuff like that and even actually this friday um well we're due to go back to training on wednesday but this friday we've just organized a um each we have like little olympic groups um that we have little competitions with each other all the time and friday ones basically uh a bit of a discussion and debate around viruses and coronaviruses and each group has a has their topic and and uh have to sort of educate each other around it so we can understand it who's we your, can understand it better who's your tip is the smartest player in the team from a science perspective who do you reckon is going to dazzle the the crew the, um interesting i think uh joe pinkus is a very switched on fella i think he's gonna do a fair, fair bit of research and and come back with uh with some pretty some in-depth analysis, and but I'm sure there's a few there's a few dark horses there. Henry Hutch is a very very well uh, very well-read um, individual, and um, he could probably come back with some. And then there's I'm sure there'll be a few left fielders with uh, some more humorous. Yeah, I was going to say, well, uh, who's, who's got the tin, who's got the tinfoil hat on their head? Who's the conspiracy theorist? <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's that's one of the subjects. The, oh, the, nice. They've, they've each been given their sort of like the first one is sort of topic one is is um, everything about viruses and corona and uh, you know molecular activity and how they re, you know how they spread and all that kind of thing. And then topic four is politics and uh, conspiracy theories. Oh, <laughs> so, beautiful. <laughs> well, she, in, in all seriousness, there's been a bit of talk about whether or not um, the, the Tokyo Olympics might have to be postponed or and it could even be a couple of years. Is there – I'm sure you don't want to contemplate that at the moment, but as a coach, how, how devastating would that be? And as a former player, looking from a player's perspective, how big a blow would that be for, for someone trying to prime their run for, for a gold – yeah, pretty de- pretty devastating. So a lot of these guys have um have taken times and and you know, sacrifice or not sacrifices choices. To, to, sorry, this is working at home. <laughs> isolation, mate. Isolation. <laughs> He's not happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were making huge choices. You know, whether it be you know a, a sevens career or fifteens career or you know going overseas or whatever it is. So. I think yeah, it's devastating from from uh, from all from all aspects. But we can't control it. It's not it's not one of those things that we can you know you know it's beyond us. So um, we have to, like I said, have a purpose, and our purpose is still to to train and prepare the best. And this is just a, another another huge curveball. And if the, if the Olympics do go ahead, it's the team that's going to be prepared the most, the best, the best way they can. I think is going to be very successful so so our job is to sort of be prepared and it, like you said it could be postponed it could be cancelled could be postponed a year could be postponed two years I, I no one no one knows but you know with, with what the information we have in front of us we can then make sort of plans around it and pretty much enjoy the the challenge that's been been set before us and 
um, you know, whatever, as a team, you've always sort of turned, you know, nothing's a problem, turned it into a positive somehow. And uh, we'll, you know, continue to, 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 to try and do that as hard as it is. Um, and uh, just, yeah, forge forward and, you know, try and enjoy whatever opportunities we get. Well, she, um, the, the Hong Kong and Singapore events were, were cancelled quite a long time ago, actually, uh, or moved to later in the year. So you kind of already knew that there was going to be um, the curveball there of preparation for the Olympics. Had you guys put into place plans to, to maybe do something else in that time? Yeah, we had. We were due to go to Fiji because um, they were cancelled. We organised tournaments with, with Fiji in Olympic format style. So that's now been cancelled as well. Um, and then obviously London and Paris for rounds that were 9 and 10, which are now 7 and 8, if the other ones go ahead later. Um, and I'm pretty sure they won't be on. So we have to make some arrangements around there. So everything's just been put in um, a massive um, spin, really. And travel is, is a big one. When you're an international team, you want to be playing against international opposition. So that's pretty much impossible. So you've got to be very creative in how you uh, prepare, but also be creative in how you protect uh, your families and, and, and players um, from this, you know, outbreak. You must be encouraged, though, um, the last two tournaments, uh, podiums back-to-back, you would have loved to have been standing on top of that, that podium, but up to fourth in the World Series, if, if you guys do get back out on the field and, and there at the Olympics, um, that, that shows that you're closing the gap more and more on, on, I guess, the big three teams. Yeah, definitely. I think if we'd, if we'd um, scored that try in that last minute against New Zealand, which we should have, we would have been third overall, which would have been great. But, um, yeah, I think winning or, you know, doing well um, every now and then is, you know, most teams can do that, but consistently doing it is, is, the, real, is the real test. And I think, at, what, three out of the last four, we finished uh, second, third and fourth, which is a really positive sign. Um, Always had the belief that we'd be we'd be there and, and still will be, and it is a bit disappointing that we do feel like we've got a bit of momentum and uh, the whole thing's been been pushed back. But there's there's larger things at play here, and um, um, but yeah, but overall, really positive on on where we're heading, how we're how we're playing, and um, and just the whole sort of attitude and. And uh, flow of the team, you know, as you, as the players or with teams you've been involved in or coaches, you know, leading into tournaments and during the week, you just sort of get that feeling that you, you know you're on song and you know you're going to do well. And that's how the squad's feeling at the moment uh, consistently, which is which is great. So the challenge again now is to somehow navigate ourselves through this and maintain it. So when and if the Olympics are on, that we're, that we're firing, but... Uh, in summary, very pleased with, uh, with, with the fellas uh, this season and the progressions that they're making and the style of football that we're, that, that we're playing. And, and Tim, the, the emergence of uh, Lockie Miller uh, in, the, in the North American tournaments was very encouraging to see, but other guys that you would hope to, to bring back, uh, whether it be at the Hong Kong Sevens or later in Paris or London, were guys like Sean McMahon and, and other 15s um, blokes who might have been specialists in, in that. Does that change if, if there's not going to be another tournament? Does it, does it almost pour cold, cold water on uh, the likelihood of a couple of guys coming from outside the squad or, or not? Well, it all depends on. I mean, this is the other sort of issue that, that we're sort of dealing with as well. Is that all these other competitions are 
mm. and suspended and people are getting stuck in there everywhere and, um, you know, Super Rugby's gone. So players could become available, um, but then there's no tournaments to play, but our guys aren't playing tournaments. So uh, it, it, I can't actually answer that right now. I think the guys like Shawnee and um, Luke Moran and those fellas, I think, um, you know, they can, they can certainly push their case. And, for instance, with um, the sort of Japanese stuff, Sean McMahon was actually flying to Sydney last night to train with us for the next two weeks. Oh, <laughs> but <he's, my> <laughs> but we, we're not training. So, so it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's, they're making it hard. I was just talking to, to Sean and other players. It's just, geez, they're making it difficult for us to, to actually get this happen. But it's just another <laughs> another challenge and another another story. And if, you know, if, uh, if we get to the Olympics and we're, on the podium, there'll be some great stories coming off it. You know how we how we got to where we are and the different things that we hopes we had to jump through and challenges that we were that we were uh, given and accepted and whatnot. But um, look, I, I think I think the, the door's still open. Um, I think anything's anything's possible at the moment or impossible. You know how we how we going to look at it. Um, yeah, and whether we end up playing. You know, just a load of um, internal games, or if we don't end up playing at all, you know, who, who knows? But um, certainly keeping the keeping the door open for for uh, for players like Sean that um, you know might get that opportunity, even if it's to if it's to to train. Oh, while she we across the sporting world, not just not just rugby, but everywhere, we're, we're just hoping that, that you know we can all get back on the field and and start talking about sport again and. Uh, mate, we wish you guys all the best and hope that everyone comes back all clear. And, uh, and mate, we, we thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I know, you know, in times like this, you always, you know, where does, where does sport sit on it? But I sort of like I said to you before, you know, it gives us – it's our job and it gives us purpose. And, you know, we're going to um, sort of uh, keep moving forward and keep um, and keep training and, uh, and hopefully it, it gets to the point. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a tough situation for everybody. Uh, and we're certainly, um, you know, behind everyone and thinking of everyone. And uh, I think us doing our job is, uh, you know, gives us purpose and help, helps us mentally to, to stay sane. But, um, yeah, no, thanks for having me and, um, yeah, love to everyone. The Olympic flame alive and well with you, Walshie. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks so much for that. Appreciate the chat. No worries. Cheers, Tim. Thanks very much. See you soon, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, Tim Walsh there. We do hope everyone's in the clear over at Rugby Australia there with this whole coronavirus thing. Uh, Fellas, on a lighter note, uh, the weekend just gone. There was some sparkling rugby played all around. Firstly, the Tars v the Brumbies yesterday. The Brumbies really flexing, starting to flex their muscle. Yeah, I got it horribly wrong uh, last week by predicting it was going to be a close game. I did tip the Brumbies, obviously, but thought thought the Tars in a, a derby sort of atmosphere could um, yeah run them close. And they did. To be fair, they did start really well, didn't they? And they played in that game their share of good rugby, which we've actually seen from the Tars all season. The patches of games, they've, they've um, thrown it around and played really nice attacking rugby, but just can't maintain the rage. And, uh, yeah, the Brumbies have shown that uh, if we do actually get back on the field, they are a, a genuine title contender this year. Yeah, you know, we're starting with the Tars. They're playing 20-minute rugby, basically, at the moment. They played 20 good minutes against the Chiefs uh, in the back end of the first half 
uh, a week ago and then they've played 20 good minutes to start off with against the Brumbies. What, I think it's, what was the end score? 47 47-14, so they scored 40 unanswered points. That's the cold, hard facts around it. Uh, it comes off the back of 38 straight points that they conceded the week earlier. So they, they've got some serious um, problems, and, and it was Phil Kearns who said that uh, he couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not sure if it's that bad for them. I'm sure there is a little bit, but he, he did add that the Tars might be almost going, geez, you know, we've been saved a little bit here by the coronavirus just bringing things to a halt. <laughs> and and and, uh, and and whether or not they go back onto the playing field later on, we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, Any shining lights out of the Tars' performance? Uh, Noonga Nidawasi coming back and, and scoring another. Like, he's a genuine His athleticism is, is excellent. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, th- I think similar to how it has been most of the season, um, the, the youngsters, there's some exciting signs from Angus Bell, Will Harrison and, and Michael Hooper does what he does. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's I guess, the names outside of those guys that need to, to carry the day a bit more than they are at the moment. Yeah, and Kurtley Beal, um, oh, probably, probably oh. not the greatest of, of afternoons for him in when he when he equals the the Waratahs record of 148 caps, but chasing down Joey Powell and and, and pulls up lane with his left hamstring. So uh, a couple of big injuries out of um, out of the weekend. Alan Alan Alatoa, well. namely with uh, what appears to be a, a fractured arm. So that those those injuries can uh, keep you out off the paddock for a long while. We've seen Billy Vanapola have broken arms and and really haunt him for years and years. So let's hope that uh, that Alan's it's not too bad. Yeah, I guess yeah that is the um, the one um, positive. Some of those rehabbing players a bit of bit of time to get back right. Uh, Harry Wilson and the and the injured list as well. But yeah, on the Waratahs, it's I, I mean I'm I'm sure they. Uh, don't want to stop in these circumstances, but it does take a little bit of heat, I guess, off off uh, Rob Penny and company because yeah, the, the, some some pretty poor performances were starting to um, to mount up there. But the Brumbies, um, like just just how impressive are they? The the Alatoa injury very poor, but I mean, if you were going into finals football now, they're they're playing as well as any team in the comp, aren't they? Uh, we were talking earlier, they just look like they're in a pretty happy place, don't they? The the culture around them, they're all very, very tight. Look at some of the players through their team and, and, and none of them, or maybe not none of them, but some of them you'd go, oh, you know, they're just fair, fair players, solid players. But you look at the mirrorheads of the world, yeah. Tom Wrights. Hayden fin- Neville, we spoke to him on the podcast last week. Yeah, just the, the finishing ability, the ability to beat the first man, to keep the ball alive is very, very exciting. Simone is having a great season and good impact. Tavita Kuradrani over the advantage line all the time. He's come back right into the Wallabies' reckoning. Um, and, and if Karevi doesn't come back and play that July series, then you look at Karevi and the ball-carrying ability to get him over the game line, and, that, and that's a very exciting prospect. They're, they're, they're doing very well. And Noel Alessio uh, continues to probably go from strength to strength. Like, yeah, no-one really would have thought that, that, that he would have taken to Super Rugby uh, quite like he has. It's been, it's been a really pleasing to see. There's some real yeah. tradesmen in that team as well, aren't there? Like guys who just do the hard work, grafters, Murray yeah. Douglas is one. Winners like Pete Samu. The, the depth they've got in the loose forwards, you can't um, underestimate that. That's it's so crucial to have hardened um, quality loose forwards, being able to rotate those guys around and, mm-hmm. and, um, and go for the full 80 minutes. So, yeah, I think um, you look across the, the landscape, the, the Tars are obviously a separate case, but the other three teams um, in Australia, the, the, it is disappointing because they were starting to get a bit of 
uh, momentum going, weren't they? And, and if you are, Dave Rennie, there's there's a bit to work with there, and uh, maybe we can yeah move on to the the Reds game you were up in, in Suncorp. And oh, just mate, some of the most exciting rugby in a very long time. Awesome to watch. Yeah. And they were down, they were down what seventeen nil, uh, uh, and then scored forty one answered points. Yeah. Roscoe um, Speckman had spiders on him, and uh, did, yeah, and, and so did uh, Warwick Hellant. He's he's a freak as well, and. Those two guys in particular were, were really lighting up Suncorp, and then suddenly, they just turned it on a, on a heel, and they 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 scored those two tries just before half time. One of them was a pelter to one to Isaac Lucas, pop pass after pop pass yeah. after offload, and, and and scored that try, and then um, they went on with it in the second half, which was pleasing. It was, it, uh, Liam, right? The turning point was his try saver. Like, if the balls oh, get over there on, on Speckman, if he crosses there, I think what thirty fifth minute, um, the, the, you know the balls might well take the momentum into half time. The Reds don't get that try on on the stroke of half time either, and, and it's a completely different game. Right then goes on to score uh, score a try. So. Uh, it was a, a heck of a performance from him being captain. I think also just from the fact that there's so much hype around Fraser McWright, who once again was really like a like a bunny rabbit coming off in the second half. The amount of energy that he gives, yeah. and you can see him from miles away because of his headgear, it would have been great for the confidence of Wright to have had a brilliant, brilliant game. Wright, McWright and <laughs> Harry Wilson all got a rap from Scott Robertson, the Crusaders coach, in the post-game of the Crusaders Sunwolves game. Again, the doubleheader, we'll talk about that in a minute, unreal concept. We've got to keep going with that. But uh, And I know it's just through circumstance, but Scott Robertson, the Crusaders coach, um, says he has a man crush on Harry Wilson and then proceeds after that to rap uh, Wright and Fraser McWright. Um, you know, th- those yeah, that young depth coming through of back rower, brilliant. Yeah, and I think with Harry Wilson, like he, people can get excited and start talking wallabies too early, but I, I, I think he would have to be there. He's had a setback with, with the injury, but I've got no yeah. doubt he's going to be part of the squad. Like he's, yeah, he, he has to be. The fact that he's uh, he started, I think, every game so far this season, hasn't he? And just just handled it uh, so well. He, he's he's bullying guys much older than him, and and he's got uh, the skill set to go with the 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 frame as well. So yeah, I, I, he's just got a phenomenal future in front of him. You, you got to give it to Greg Martin because it was about a what ten months ago Adam that he, the, he, he, called, squad, he called for him to be in the in, in the Wallabies <laughs> World Cup yep. squad. Um, and who knows if he ever may have made it, but he just looks like a genuine number eight. And you go through yeah. every every good great test side has always had a very, very good number eight. Yep. The Wallabies haven't had a strong, a really strong dominant number eight in some time, so it's it's exciting. Well, to I see. think even across the competition, like he he is he's crunching the numbers, smashing smashing them, and like you look across the competition, I don't think there's been a better number eight in the comp yet. No, hundred percent agree. And uh, just we touched on it before, but just the transformation in the Reds um, style of play and and, and what they're doing. Um, a lot of credit to Jim McKay, like they were. Right near the bottom, I think Brad Thorne said in terms of offloads and some of those key attacking stats, they were playing a pretty conservative style under him the last couple of years, but they've completely transformed. Okay, they haven't, um, you know, their win-loss record's still not amazing, but the style of rugby that they're playing, the Brumbies are playing, the Rebels at times, I, I think that that's the type of rugby that Dave Rennie will be wanting to encourage as well. So it's a, a great sign that they're, um, you know, guys are getting comfortable uh, offloading in contact, promoting the football and not and not uh, panicking when they fall behind like the Reds did. Chaniella Tupo's yeah. soft hands, like again, <laughs> yeah. we've seen it. We've seen it a fair bit. 
Um, there was some actually there was some beautiful hands by a few of the big guys um, across the weekend. George Bauer did it in the Crusaders yeah. game as well to put away Severo Reese. But um, yeah, just uh, and even um, those offloads that you were speaking about, Harry Hawkins did it. Uh, a couple of the big yeah. the big locks as well. Like just um, the the skill set um, is certainly rising uh, for those big guys up front. You've got to give credit to Taniela Tupo and, and Alex Murphy as well. The two of them playing basically 80 minutes every week yeah. at the moment, um, mainly because the two of them are very good players, particularly the Tongan Thor. Um, but even even Lucan Salakai Loto, another cracking game, uh, moving yeah, back to the well. back row. And, and th- those guys, just the um, the impact that the post-contact metres um, is is something that you've really got to be looking closely at because it's it's the Wallabies have typically Australian rugby players, those forwards have often not won the collision course and these guys are showing that aggression and the intensity. The word urgency was used a fair bit with the Tars yesterday, but they're showing that urgency for 80 minutes, those sorts of guys. I do want to wrap a group of guys that are close to my heart as well, the locks. Five tries on the weekend. So, uh, Cowley Tuiotti <laughs> from the Blues, Rob Simmons from the Waratahs, Caden Neville. Yeah. Caden yeah. Neville uh, scored, got across. Uh, ben Hine, who's not really a second rower, but he, he played second row on the weekend. And then Luke Romano as well, all getting those big go go gadget arms do out you, and scoring tries. Do you crunch these numbers every week? You've got a separate, um, just looking at your notes there, a separate <laughs> column in your um, in, in your paperwork for locks, lock, lock stats. Fox Sports Lab don't do that. Love it's, the locks. You're mate. going the extra mile. It's, so, only came over to me yesterday actually and just as I wanted soon to point as, that out, as soon I? as Neville scored, uh, Swain was over over very, very quickly to, <laughs> to, say, to say that he was bringing up that stat so well, I'm glad he's finally got it out. While we're, while we're on that very niche uh, topic, if you were the, the second row has been been changed a bit with guys going overseas, if you were Dave Rennie, who do you reckon has got the edge for... You're starting it's tough. Starting we actually locks. did this at the start of the year with with uh, the rugby department, just in the rugby department, and we um, all had Isaac Rodder in there. I don't know, like I don't know whether he's in that um, starting team at the moment for the Wallabies. He's close, but like if you're going on form, guys like Caden Neville come straight into the to the no, reckoning. Matt sorry. Phillip, no. Matt Phillip as well. Oh, Isaac Rodder straight away. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, like I'm not saying he's not there. Um, but I'm saying that there are guys playing really well who would push him, mm. guys like Caden Neville uh, and Matt Phillip. And that's the thing. We do kind of assume, okay, Rod has been a, a mainstay, so he'll be straight in, but new selectors, any, anything's possible. So, Well, so. one new selector with, with Dave Rennie coming in, and that's the big unknown around yeah. everything because you're not quite sure whether or not he, he's he's up there in Scotland and Glasgow. or mm. We don't know what he's looking down and what he's seeing. So there, there are question marks around him. I, I like the look of Angus Blythe. Angus Blythe. I think and Harry Hawkins, they, like, um, they did a great job. And Harry, job. Harry Hawkins, something that the Australian rugby, because of probably Israel Folau, um the, the kick restarts has been a, a massive area of improvement across the board. But you look at Hawkins on the weekend, the Reds deliberately trying to kick to him. He was someone that AFL sides tried to go after. Um, really big tall units who can jump, it, it just makes sense that you, you, you give him a, an opportunity to leap and he got one on the weekend. Oh, that's a good couple of minutes of lock chat, boys. Uh, absolutely. Great couple of minutes of lock chat. Well, that's uh, during this uh, hiatus, <laughs> however long it goes for, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to do deep, deep dives on niche topics. There uh, is. Um, just, just a taster. Just, uh, just quickly <laughs> as well, the Sunwolves and Crusaders. The Sunwolves stuck with the Crusaders, the champs for, um, you know, it was only 14-7 at half time. 
Yeah, yeah, it's similar to what we've seen out, out of the, the Moondogs, I guess, over the, the whole season. But, yeah, the, the Crusaders can just roll different guys off the conveyor. About um, there, Fying Anuku, oh, yeah. the, the big winger, was doing a, a lot of damage. And um, Hugh Roach, well, what a, oh. uh, a memorable debut. He was uh, nice. Poor, poor Huey. I felt, in, I involved, felt for in, involved in a try straight away, I think. And then, um, then yeah, a red card. But he still seemed to have a smile on his face afterwards. I liked, I think it was him and, and Jabba shaking hands and having a, a laugh after. Afterwards, so yeah, um, yeah no. pretty. Um, I think he only got flown over during the week, didn't he? So yeah. kind of a, a whirlwind time for Hugh Roach. And yeah, now he's. I don't know if he went back to the Crusaders or not. We'd have to find that out. But um, yeah, he, you know, he might be stuck in New Zealand now, Hugh. Uh, and um, and in that game, um, the Crusaders were down to thirteen men at one point. I called the game with Mills Muliona, who. Um, is, a, is an absolute legend of a guy, by the way. And you introduced him to a um, was it a dessert uh, wine of the Queensland region? Queensland dessert wine, yep, Bundy yep. Rum, very uh, nice. A bit of a black rat, rum and coke. Did he enjoy it? Oh, loves it. <laughs> Threw it down. Um, but uh, but th- just talking to him uh, about this great Crusaders team uh, and, and particularly that period of time um, where they were down to 13 men and still managed to score two tries. Like, they are just so classy. Yeah, I mean, it was only the, the Sunwolves, I guess you could say, but you, you can kind of sense when they, they're in those tough positions, they almost thrive on that extra challenge. Like, OK, we're down to, to 13, but they, they don't doesn't stop them from playing good rugby. They have yeah. that, they always have that optimistic, I guess, outlook. And, um, yeah, they can turn what, what looks to be very difficult situations back in their favour. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one, like, who, who the actual best team in Super Rugby is at the moment because there's a yeah. few. The Sharks, uh, technically, they're, they're top of the, the pops. But, yeah, there's a few teams to claim with claims to being the total favourites. Blues as well, playing really well. The, the Stormers, are, the, you it, can't forget them. It's, it's probably the most competitive Super Rugby season in a long, long while. Yeah, which is a, it's just such a shame, isn't it, that it's now on hiatus. It is. Fingers crossed. Oh well, um, <laughs> fellas, it's been a it's been another great podcast, and um, <laughs> I just love talking to you, particularly about locks. How good was that? Let's keep in touch, guys. Don't um, I think we're gonna maybe do some working from home tomorrow? But um, yeah, the the podcast dream remains alive. And yeah, if anyone's got any suggestions, fire, yeah. fire them in on, on Twitter. Absolutely, tweet us through your suggestions for some some good podcast get, topics. Get on what iTunes. About, what about lockdown? Reviewers, everything. Lockdown uh, snacks as well. What are you guys surviving on at the moment? Oh, well, Biltong's You've got a good Biltong stash? Yeah, I need actually, actually, the guys at Bareback Biltong, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Supplies are running low. <laughs> well, top, I'm going to doomsday prep with you blokes. Top priority is rugby podcasters. I don't think I'd get anything if I was, I was bunking <laughs> down with you, Swaney. <laughs> Whoa. I'll tell you what, some Biltong and Jonah Lomu rugby on the PlayStation. Oh, don't tell me you've still got a working copy going. I'm Don't. coming around to your house. We'll, yeah, mine, we'll, mine got stolen about 10 years ago. I reckon we could find one, though. Someone yeah. will have one. That's our doomsday prepping, eh? If, yeah, bunker, that's exactly what we need. I like that. All so right. if anyone out there has got a copy, uh, make a make a pirate for us. We'll see you when we see you. Yeah, absolutely. Luxana <laughs> Sampong. <laughs> Good way to sign off. <laughs>